You're watching the Ed Reach Network. This is Ed Gamer. Don't blame the games. The benefits of gaming. This is Ed Gamer for Thursday, December twentieth, twenty twelve. Ed Gamer is part of the EdReach Ed Network, EdReach.us, giving education a voice, a big voice. Lucas, you want to chime in on that one? Yeah, it's a real big voice. It's huge. Real big, huge. <laughs> <laughs> this show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We will give you the education angle on any type of games, ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We will discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I'm Zach. And I'm Jerry. And our two guests? Uh, I'm Joel Levin. I uh, teach computers at a private school in New York City. Uh, some people also call me the Minecraft teacher for reasons. What, what would those be? Uh, well, I teach <laughs> Minecraft, and I teach no. with Minecraft. And no. <laughs> Hey, Lucas? Yeah. I'm Lucas Gillespie. I'm the Instructional Technology Coordinator uh, for Pender County Schools in southeastern North Carolina and uh, the founder of the World of Warcraft and School Project and um, I play a lot of games with students too. And Jerry. My name is Jerry James. I'm a visual arts teacher in Chambre, Illinois. And my name is Zach Gilbert. I'm your host. I'm a sixth grade social studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. And this is kind of different for us. I, Jerry, I don't think we've, I think we've done maybe one or two live broadcasts. I know this is exciting. You can it, see bright, smiling faces. Yeah, bright, smiling, and uh, I, I can't edit, so, you know, this is... This is live. This is live. This is, yeah, scary. So, as you can tell from the, the topic, um, it, this is, it's kind of a tough one, and of course, if you know Jerry and I, we like to laugh, and this is kind of, a, you can't really laugh at something like this. Uh, you know, in the last week, we've had um, a horrible incident in Connecticut. And, of course, when there's violence, we have video games as, as part of the blame. And I guess we'll just throw it right out there. You know, is there a violent games problem uh, in the United States? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Big question. I think you're asking well, two questions, actually. You know, you're, you're asking... Is there a problem with excessively violent games? And then, do excessively violent games lead to anything else? You know, it's almost, it's almost like a split question. Okay, do we have too many violent games, and are they harmful? Yeah, let's answer the first one then. Are there too many violent games? Well, again, I mean, these <laughs> <Go> ahead, are <Bill. laughs> these are no, these are. Uh, I, I don't think I have a good answer, uh, and you know I'm just not sure it's a good question. I mean, are there too many violent books? Are there too many violent movies? Uh, maybe. Um, I I don't even know where to start to, to to break that down. Is it it is is it acceptable for a 12 year old kid to be playing Call of Duty? That's up to those the parents of that 12 year old kid. Yeah, yeah. And the, it's, it's definitely something that they should decide and have input on, and knowing whether their child is in um, the you know of a of an age where they feel that that's appropriate. And you know, clearly, as a mature rated game, I mean, we we have a rating system out there for a reason, and, and there's all kinds of good resources out there for parents to go and and do research on games and find out what the content is is and what what kind of things are going on in those games. But 
that again, that's an individual parenting decision. Um, will my children play Call of Duty at age twelve? Probably not. No, and, and I guess do we do we feel that there are a lot of kids out there, whether it's books, movies, games, whatever it is, are they are are they getting involved in 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 this violence at a young age? Is it too young? Um. Well, you know, I, I, I agree with Lucas. It's a parenting decision, and it also depends on the kid. Uh, there's some 12-year-old kids that probably, yeah, there's there's no problem with them playing Call of Duty uh, in in a way as long as it's not excessively and it's not uh, taking over their lives and it's not impacting other responsibilities of theirs. Uh, and it also matters how involved the parents are. That. Uh, the same 12-year-old kid that there's probably nothing wrong with them playing Call of Duty, it's probably okay for them to see R-rated movies as well, but you wouldn't send them to the theater alone to see an R-rated movie. You, you know, a parent might take them to that movie and sit there with them and be able to answer questions on the car ride home. Uh, you know, so you wouldn't necessarily want to send them to a public server to play Call of Duty uh, without it. I mean, uh, I am oh. a huge fan of uh, telling all parents that they should be playing games with their kids. Yeah. Bingo. Joel, you hit, you hit it right on the head. And that's yeah. exactly my thing is, is to parents, you, you really you can't turn a blind eye to this stuff. And so many parents just like, because I mean, we're so busy and, and we, we allow the video games to be the babysitters. And, and that's unacceptable. We, and, and in fact, like you said, we've got to get parents sitting and playing alongside their kids um, and experiencing these things and deciding whether or not that's appropriate or, or using that to foster good conversation about violence or, or the content mm -hmm. that's in the media. I'll, I'll step out there. I'll, I'll say that there is a problem. And, and, you know, I teach sixth grade and my wife teaches first grade. Kids will come in uh, to my wife's first grade class and say that they watched something like Saw or they, you know, saw the newest Twilight film. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there is a huge problem with whether you want to call it lack of parenting, you know, yes, violent video games, you know, freedom of speech, whatever you want to call it, you know, should be allowed. But we have a huge disconnect with parents not being involved and those kids being involved in those violent games. And whether or not that causes something down the road, we'll get into that. But there is a problem. There is there's a big problem. That's right. Um, and, you know... Is it fair to say the games themselves are the problem? Well, you know, it's it's an easy out to say if those games didn't exist, then kids wouldn't be having problems uh, with games. But I think probably everybody in this hangout and most people listening know that that's that's not a fair assessment. Didn't you guys use uh, BB yeah. guns? I mean, I, yeah, I, I oh, used sure. BB guns. We used firecrackers. Yeah. We we played cops and robbers. I mean, you know. It, there was different types of violence, but we did those as boys. Yeah. Um, um, I, I remember melting a few Lego men, you know, and, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that, oh, yeah. that was a form of violence. Uh, and I like to think I turned out okay. I mean, no, clearly, the, you know, there's very little good that's going to come of, uh, you know, that same 12-year-old boy being sent off to his own room to play Call of Duty for 12 hours on end without any any parent parental involvement or anyone checking in or, um, but you know, does that make the kid 
more violent? That's the big question. That's, uh, that's I think, what we're here to talk about. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of research that says no, but, you know, as parents, as teachers, I think we can all agree that we're really uncomfortable with that and we're mm -hmm. worried about that and we're concerned when we see that. Um, so, you know, it's interesting... The interesting conversation for me is sort of what is our, our role as educators uh, when, when we see something like this going on? Where do we step in? How do we get involved? What's appropriate? And is it going to even do any good? I don't know. Jerry, thoughts? Uh, you know, I guess it, it comes back to me. I, I wonder why, and you guys can chime in here, why do you think media is the low-hanging fruit? for for when these things happen you know why, why is it always media that comes first it seems like i i think I, I i know the number two thing that gets blamed behind media what do you guys think it is you know after one of these events like who do you think they go after after the media i mean who has the most impact besides media on these kids i guess, <laughs> I guess yeah i mean don't they always interview the parents like yeah. parents are number two so which of those two things do you think has more control, media or parents? The parents well, have the most potential parents, yeah. for influence, I think. <clears throat> well, I mean, so why, you know, why go after the media? Uh, you know, I think it's sexier. I think it sells newspapers. I think it gets people to to tune into the news channels. But you know, also it it's it's an easier solution. Uh, mm -hmm. If a if a kid has violent video games in their life, you can conceptually you know pull the plug, and and remove that from their life. Where if they have uh, bad, if there's bad parenting in their life, you can't just remove you know you can't well, just turn that off. I hate to I hate to even bring this up in, in this way, but it, I think it comes down to money. Um, you know because of the incident that happened in Connecticut, you can have gun control. And it really doesn't, it might not cost you that much money. You start going into social aspects, whether it's mental health, whether it's, you know, mm -hmm. helping out with parenting, you start getting in that. Now you're talking about a large amount of money. And I think, you know, we've had a lot of talk about gun control and not into the mental health aspect. Um, that money, you know, it, that, that it takes to create that mental health backbone uh, and gun control, you're just going after one group and you're saying, well, you just can't buy these guns. <laughs> right. right. I mean, yeah. people tend to go for the, uh, the easy answer, the one that you can fit yeah. in a soundbite. Yeah. And, and that does, and that, 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 what it does, it plays on our fears and, um, and, and it plays on our doubts and, and, and it makes us feel good, you know, oh, well, we, we're, we're doing something about this issue. But one of the things that I, I, you know, really seeing this is that we we don't address the underlying issue, which is the individual, and 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 it's a it's a component of humanity, and the violence is a condition, it's part of our human condition, and and we don't deal with that, whether it's um, you know a result of parenting, psychological disorder, or whatever, and we don't want to deal with the real issues. Let's go with the 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 sort of the superficial um, things that we can. It is it's really is the low hanging fruit, and um, and that's really unfortunate, but but you're right. I think the money thing's a, a is a factor. It's we want to go. It's a it's an easier route to go. I think it also comes back to me, you know media being the low hanging fruit because it's and I can hear myself say this and it's not comfortable, but it's like, well, 
does this really help? You know, did it help? Like, this kid might have been on the edge. Did this video game help? You know, do, does he need to have it? It's, and so I think that's sometimes why that gets brought up, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so, I mean, maybe just trying to move the conversation forward a little, uh, you know, there is a fair amount of science out there uh, that I assume will be linked uh, along with this podcast, you know, showing that there's there's really no conclusive links that uh, violent video games are, are causing increased aggression, at least in these cases where, where there's a, a, a school shooting or something equally terrible. Um, you know, there was a, this article in, in Time on Time.com that came out today just saying that, you know, yes, there's a, there may be a correlation between, uh, you know, people who tend to uh, perpetrate these crimes are players of violent video games in general, but, you know, that's describing... Eighty percent of male oh, right. Yeah, in, that's causality. Right. We we also right. eat pizza. <laughs> right. Causation, not correlation. Yeah. Thank Co- you. Yeah, causation. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. And eating pizza doesn't necessarily cause you to uh, commit a crime. Um, so you know, I I don't know. Like it's it's a bit of the same old, same old. And and honestly, I I was a little reluctant to to even come on this podcast, just more because I I mean I did because you guys are awesome. It's <laughs> like, but it was more like it was like, why do we need to talk? Do we need to talk about this? Is it? I I mean, my thought process was, is it just better to sort of ignore the people blaming video games and just and just move on? And then what made me really glad to, to say this was this same Time.com article. And if it's okay, maybe I'll just read the, the first paragraph. Uh, uh, here we go. Yesterday, Senator Jay Rockefeller introduced a bill calling on the National Academy of Sciences to, quote, study video game violence on children. Speaking of the recent Brown versus EMA Supreme Court decisions, which criticized the existing research as inconsistent and methodologically flawed, Rockefeller said, recent court decisions demonstrate that some people still do not get it. They believe that violent video games are no more dangerous to young minds than classic literature or Sunday morning cartoons. Parents, pediatricians, and psychologists know better. These court decisions show we need to do more and explore ways Congress can lay additional groundwork on the issue. This report will be a critical resource in this process. So, you know, so there's a senator on uh, uh, on the floor of the Senate thumping... You know, not a Bible, but he's thumping the the blame video games handbook, um, and that got me mad. It's like, you know, this is still relevant. We do still need to talk about this. We still need to put forth a counter argument. And the last thing I'll say before I be quiet again for a minute is, he's saying we need to to study. It's it's such like a sort of political rhetoric. He's saying we need to study. You know. The existing research has been overturned, and therefore we need to have Who's used decided? research to prove this. Well, no, no, there, there was – this is true. There was research linking – one of the, the best and only studies linking video, violent video games to violent behavior was overturned. He's talking about – you know, they overturned uh, this, this, uh, this, this uh, research saying that video games were violent. So there actually is almost no – research to, to that point. So he's saying, well, we just got to try again. We got to get some new research. So it just, you know, it got my got my uh, blood temperature up, and, <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> so so basically you're saying all the research that's out there is bunk? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter? No, I mean, I, no, I, I, I'm not saying that, um, you know, and I'm not as up-to-date on all the research as, as I'd like to be. Um, but I know sort of one of the biggest, most often quoted uh, 
uh, uh, uh, published studies yeah. linking violent video games to violent behavior was shown to be, uh, you know, I, the, the article yeah. the article talks about it. Yeah, that's um, totally. Sorry, you, you kind of stumbled into a, into an area that I think mentions or is worth mentioning, which is there's so very little peer-reviewed stuff, mm-hmm. you know, about this research, and I think it's primarily because it fits into so many different categories that it sometimes escapes different journals. You know, is it psychology? Is it education? Is it is it each one? We we go through this with a lot of um, art education because there's primarily two art education peer-reviewed art edu- education journals, so all of the the information is coming out of those, but there's so little good peer-reviewed uh, journal, you know, data research on this topic that it's hard to put anything out there. Well, you have a lot of variables. You know, you know, we've even talked about it. There's some kids that it doesn't bother. There's some kids that it does bother. Uh, you have parents involved. You have parents that are not involved. You know, the, you know. I guess you could look at a wide variety of kids, and I'm guessing that it's going to have, um, I guess, a, a bigger impact maybe on certain groups, and we've kind of seen that. I mean, is there is there something to be said that those that um, that might have some, you know, you know, mental histories, you know, issues in that area, that there could be a link between video bad, you know, violent video games and and their mental capacity. I mean. That sounds like a great thing that some researchers get together and study. Yeah. Are you guys kind of siloning there a little bit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. You know, it I think. This article from uh, Duluth, and it's it's essentially about you know, them not wanting Gen Con to, uh, a version of Gen Con to come to Duluth. And um, I just want to read you this paragraph because this is what it says. A study, so, okay, here we are back at a study. A study (laughs) done by Craig Anderson and published in Glenn Sparks' book. Okay, so we have a clear bias already because it's one person's book. Mm -hmm. Media Effects found the, quote, exposure to violent video games is casually linked to increased aggressive behavior, increases in aggressive thoughts and feelings, higher levels of psychological arousal, and less helping behavior. We're not playing Pong or Pac-Man anymore. Instead, we're playing the most popular cutting-edge video games like Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Prepare to Die, and the long-anticipated Soul Sacrifice. And it yeah, goes on. Never heard, say, never heard of this. Never heard of this. I never heard of these. You know, and it says as gotta find them. As Lieutenant yeah, Colonel Dave Grossman studies prove that's a big oh, word. No. Prove quote quote video games that require the player to shoot a gun and react um, reflexively with the shooting responses are teaching an entire generation of children to associate shooting with pleasure. I, I mean, and that, so that's from a college kid. This was written by a college student in a, in on a website, and you know, I mean, that's the kind of data that gets out there. That it's like, where are the references at right. the end of this article? Where where is this stuff being you know backed up? I that so gets me. Yeah. Crazy. So the BB guns and the M80s and all the fireworks that I used—that's that's totally different than what this is. 
Now let's I've... let's let's stay, stop for a moment and and actually apply just a little real world common sense to this. Um, <laughs> go, we, we're all educators and we all have access to kids, right? <laughs> so let's go ask them. Um, how many of them do survey? How many of you play Call of Duty? How many of you play this? Now, how many of you think that it is okay? to go and actually do this to someone you know, or someone you don't know, for that matter. Is this violence okay? Is it appropriate? And, and then ask them, I mean, if you really, if you, depending on the, your class of kids, you know, ask them what they believe about this link to violence and, and these kinds of shootings and, and this violence in society. I, I suspect that the majority of your students are going to say, no, that's not okay. And it's because that when we're playing games, we, we're in that, what psychologists call that magic circle. It's a play, it's the same thing when we were, you know, before video games, you played with your BB guns or you played cowboys and Indians or army or war or whatever. You're, you're play fighting. You're, you're experiencing, you're, you're acting out violence in a safe way that actually is not violent. And, and to say, you know, and, and, and I think if, if you go and ask your kids these things, you'll, you'll see that they have an understanding that, no, this is not appropriate in the real world. Um, and they can separate that. Now, if a, if a child can't separate the game world from the real world, yeah, they probably shouldn't be playing. And that's something that people should identify early on in the child's development, that there's some, some reality issues here. And don't you think that, you know, throughout the years of our teaching that we probably could say that there were a few kids that kind of fit that category? Sure. I have kids that, that I taught in the years that I'm like, mm, maybe you should not play that particular game. And I guess the frustration with me is that those, I'm just making a generalization, that those students uh, do not have the parent involvement, that they don't know, the parents don't know that they're playing these games, or <laughs> they might be enjoying the games with the kids, too, and not, there might not be much difference between the kids and the, and the parents. Yeah, generally, though, in my experiences, in, in the, the time that I was in the classroom, um, it is a, a complete and total disconnect yes. between the child and the parent. Yes. And, and if you look at this, I mean, you go back and look, uh, and, and there, there were relational issues. There's, there's relationship issues in the people that are committing these crimes um, that, that are causing the problem. It's not the games. The games are there, but, but so is pizza, just like we mentioned. It, right. It's that they're, they're, these people are struggling to have relationships. Nobody, either nobody's paying attention to them, listening to them, or whatever. And, and that's actually where I find that games are actually a positive thing. Because mm -hmm. I can use those games to make a point of connection between students that I could not reach otherwise. I'm sorry, but as a science teacher, I know that not endoplasmic reticulum and mitosis don't appeal to every child out there. <laughs> but, but if I talk about games... I can usually hit and make a point of connection with some, and especially some that I couldn't get to communicate with me otherwise. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're, if we're talking about personal experience with uh, with our own students, uh, yeah, there there are a handful of kids that I can point to and identify as having an unhealthy relationship with gaming. And, yes, I, I usually see a failure somewhere along the line on the parents. I'm not dumping all of the blame on the parents. No. There's obviously many, many factors, but that's a usual link. But, you know... I can think of that's like you know four kids in the in my ten years right. of teaching, but mm -hmm. I can think of many many examples of the positive power of gamings or or connections that kids have made with real human beings through gaming, um, or just achievements that these kids have made. Uh, you know, I have 
I had a kid write in his college essay about things he was doing in uh, in in his Minecraft club, and he got into college, and you know he came up to me and he thanked me. Um, you know, it's I don't you can't discount that. You know, are are we even if there some study did came out that just you know pointed a damning finger at violent video games. Um, you know, there still would be this cost-benefit analysis. You know, you can't just throw out the the, the video game because uh, it may increase violent tendencies if it's also having uh, a really positive uh, effect on. Do you, on and I think we're all in this in this boat, but I think we've found ways to use games as a positive. Mm-hmm. You know, whether, you know, Joel, you use Minecraft. Jerry has his after-school game club. You know, Lucas, you have uh, World of Warcraft, which some could say would be teetering on the edge. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't think we, we think that. And we've used those games. This week I've been play, playing Civilization. So it, it's we've seen those positives. We've been able to show those positives to the to the kids. But I've also been communicating these to the parents. You know, here's something that they can play that is is fun that is educational and you know is it could be a positive for your child do you think we have a, a role to play in helping that out absolutely I mean you look at what we're doing though and you hit the, the again we're back to the crux it's about relationships and here in this situation each of us as an educator are having building a relationship with our kids through gaming and, and and so we're seeing all these positives because we're interacting with our kids. But it doesn't have to be gaming. It could be through art or through literature or whatever it is. It's the point that we are investing in kids. And and you wonder sometimes with these people who are doing you know these violent crimes, who invested in their lives? That this is and you're right. This is an issue. The the media stuff is a low hanging fruit. We're not getting to the real the real point of the the issue here. And it and it's about people and and our, about our relationships with each other. Yeah. And, go ahead, Joel. Oh, um, you know, I was just going to say, um, you know, there's also uh, there's another scenario where you know a parent is is very involved and is loving, but they're just not gamers and they just don't understand games, and um, you know, they might not be setting the best boundaries or the best examples uh, for for their kids and how they're how they're playing games, or they go in the opposite route and they, they don't understand games, so they're afraid of them, so they just don't allow their kids to play them. I don't think either of those are, are really good scenarios. Um, so again, it's it's another really good reason to have. Uh, games in schools because then what the, the the children receive as a benefit is they get to have a positive role model they get to see an adult in their life mm-hmm. that has a healthy relationship with games that thinks about them critically that views them as an art form that can um, that can have an honest conversation about uh, you know uh, being ob- the the difference between being obsessed with a game and playing it obsessively um, you know if a kid doesn't have that kind of role model in their life, uh, they have no one to emulate. And I think we all know that kids uh, do emulate what they see in the world around them. And do, do you guys have kids asking you, you know, hey, Mr. Gilbert, you play, do you play Call of Duty? You know, what do you say to kids like that? I, I'm honest. I don't yeah. happen to play Call of Duty, but, no. you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I had some kid ask me because um, – somehow it came about and they they started playing Borderlands 2 which just came out and I'm just like as like I told him I said I play Borderlands 2 but I really don't think you should be playing Borderlands 2 
I don't think it's appropriate at all for someone your age. And, you know, I tell them that. So, you know, I, hopefully I'm making a positive impact in that way. Uh, but it's it's kind of tough. They'll, they'll ask me, do you play Call of Duty? Yeah. You know, they'll ask me certain games. I'll be honest with them. But I also tell them that I honestly do not think you should be playing those games. Right. But you can also, you know, that same student could come to, uh, to you and say, hey, did you go to the movie theater and see Saw 7? And yeah. you're allowed to say, yes, I did. Here's what I think of it. And, you know, obviously it's not appropriate to you, Mr. 11-year-olds or, yes. or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think just when you say games, just the conversation becomes more charged for a lot of different Ooh. reasons. I mean, you know... Uh, you know, because the media is pointing fingers at games, the, the, the conversation is charged. Because kids get enthusiastic and excited about games, the conversation is charged. Um, because you're often dealing with touchy subject matter like, you know, murder in these games, the conversation is charged. But, you know, I personally believe if you take a step back, it's really not that different than any other form of, of entertainment. Um, and, you know, we just have to grow and mature the conversation around games. Do, um, <laughs> should should we even worry about this as educators? Because these are games that we won't even deal with in the classroom. We won't. Well, you well, We're, yours is kind of on the edge. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. We'll you know, deal with them one way or another. Um, we'll either deal with them directly or indirectly, and that's that's part of the the discussion that need, or needs to be part of the discussion as well. Our our kids are going into these spaces anyway. And, and we're sending them into the Wild West, often without any adult present, right. and often without any guidance on how to be a critical consumer of the media that they're exposed mm -hmm. to. And, and so, you know, when I was teaching high school, and, and kids would come to me and say, hey, um, do you want to play World of Warcraft, or, or are you going to play, are you going to be on um, Halo 4 tonight, or not Halo 4 at the time, but Halo <laughs> 2, what, what whichever version of Halo was out at the time, are you going to be on? I'd, I'd be like, yeah, sure. And honestly, here's what's interesting. Over time, they would bring their friends in that didn't know me, and and then the all of a sudden the conversations in Xbox Live suddenly change. There's there's a teacher in the room, <laughs> right? And, I, and they're right. like, oh oh, and and then I, they begin to realize, hey, you know what? We can have very meaningful, competitive gameplay, enjoyable gameplay. We don't have to be cussing. We don't have to be trash talking and, and griefing other players and things like that. And when you set those norms and those standards for them, it changes even the violent video games like Call of Duty. Um, and, and so the question is, well, do we want this or do we not want this? They're going there anyway. Do we want to go in and, and be that, that kind of voice of maturity and reason and, and, and that good spirit around games, or do we just send them on their own and pretend that it's not happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll go back to using a different form of media as an example. You know, you're an AP English teacher, you're reading Anna Karenina in class, but a student comes in and says, hey, I just read Fifty Shades of Grey. I, do you want, can, I, can I talk about it? No, I mean, I'm sure this is happening, right? Or, you know, or they're reading Twilight. There's some weird stuff in there, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's so, it's, uh, it's like... There's, I know there's a part of a teacher that's just thinking, well, I'm happy the kid's reading, and but you know, look, I, I, God knows what they're thinking about it. Have they told their parents they're reading this book? Do they, do their parents know they're playing these games? You know, so it's an opportunity to have a voice of maturity 
uh, presented to the kids and you know let them know that it's okay to be curious it's okay to uh, to to examine these these uh, mature subject matters but but you know but also ground them in the fact that they are a kid and some things are appropriate and some things are not mm -hmm. um, and you know if if you're concerned that you're a student is reading 50 shades of gray maybe you'd pick up the phone and and call the parents and just say hey did you know that they read this book <laughs> oh you did you thought that was okay okay <laughs> um you know i yeah. i would think you'd do the same with uh, with video games so what are i, I guess so we can kind of get this um we're going to have to wrap up here soon what are the things that we need to do as educators to help this look i mean lucas you started talking about that you know helping the students set the norms uh having a safe place for them to be um do we have communications with parents i know that you know just this week just something very simple i asked the kids who has you know an ipad and um, um oh goodness gracious what's days of wonder game um the train game oh goodness. Um, yeah it's uh. not, went on sale this week Yes, ticket to ride. Ticket, ticket to, ride. to ride. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Uh, yeah, ticket to ride. Yeah, so it went on sale for a dollar ninety nine, and I put that up on the board. And the kids are asking. I'm starting to do that a little bit more, where I can put some, you know, teacher, you know, Mr. Gilbert recommended games, mm -hmm. and I've gotten some positive responses from parents. You know, hey, here's here's a great game to play. Um, you know, I've thought about in our newsletter that that I send out to the uh, parents each week. Hey what uh you know here are some games that are really good uh for your kids i mean is that a responsibility that we can start taking what are some things that you guys are, are that you do or could do i think that's a great example um one of the things and you know like you said you know world of warcraft in the classroom that's a little edgy well one of the things that we've always made it a point to do is communicate with our parents in these programs whether it's our minecraft programs whether it's world of warcraft the saga class that we're doing it's really we want to engage the parents we always tell them that it's an open door policy and we yes. invite those parents to come in because at the same time we're teaching kids to be critical consumers of media we have an opportunity to reach out to parents and help them also be critical consumers of the media that they're both they and their kids are are experiencing so yeah I, I think you've got to get the parents involved uh, recommending positive games doing workshops parent nights game nights those are all great ways that educators can can involve parents and and change the the nature of this discussion and and make it something that um, where we can really look at game-based learning and, and using video games for learning um, in a completely different light and rather than vilifying it Joel, I mean, how many times have you had parents or told parents they're saying, "My kid's playing Minecraft all the time. What's going on?" You know, and and then telling them, "Hold on, this is not a bad thing." Uh, yeah, I, ha I have that that conversation a lot. But you know, I I I don't always I don't always say this is not a bad thing. I mean, I I'll, mm. I'll ask them, "Are you worried?" I mean, are they ignoring <laughs> yeah. other responsibilities? You know, use your parenting <laughs> instinct. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's a more interesting conversation when they ask me, you know, why is this a good thing? And I can yes. mm -hmm. I can I can talk a lot about what I think their kids are probably getting out of it. And you know, I'll often. You know, if if they're at school, kind of invite them into the classroom and say, "Look at what your kid made." You know, this, yeah. is, this is the complex 
creation, a lot of, you know, you may not understand it looking at it, or, you know, I'll email them a screenshot and say, you know, you may not understand what you're looking at, but let me step you through some of the thought processes that your your kid went through, or let me talk about the 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 progression of skills that they had to learn and teach themselves or or that I helped them with um, to get to this point and you know uh, that to me that's teaching um, yeah. it's it's very often about the process you know teaching a kid this is how you acquire new skills and then utilize those skills and have an achievement that that uh, that you can show to other people uh, you know that is a generalized form of learning. So, yeah. Um, yep. Hey, Jerry. Yeah. The I, I'm really because you started that game club after school, mm-hmm. and have really reached a lot of different kids. You know, have you had parents show up? Have you had parents ask about getting involved? We haven't had any parents show up. Um, we have several special education students in that club. that spend a lot of time working on social skills and uh, we have their TAs come quite a bit which has been a voluntary process too not just like they're required to be in the room with them but like teaching assistants have been coming in to see the things that have happening been happening and I think that's the first step to that you know I think if I take anything from all of this from, from what we've you know come together and talked about tonight it's we just need to create a culture you know, that's kind of Joel what you're saying and Lucas what you're saying is we need to create a culture that values games as entertainment and learning. You know, and, and it just and they have to be critical consumers, like you said, Lucas. That's you know, that that's what we're doing in our schools. But I think until we can get a lot of people past that that misconception that games are only you know, I mean, the name itself, games, that they're only entertainment, yeah. you know, that's that's the, the hurdle right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, well, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll dovetail on that. Uh, comic, the comic book industry managed to, like, come up with a new phrase. They repackaged the graphic novel as the graphic novel, and suddenly it's mm-hmm. not a comic book anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wonder if we need that uh, for games. I agree. Chocolate cover broccoli? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, sorry. No. <laughs> sorry. Bad, bad one. Okay, so uh, any last comments there, guys? I think this is uh, great. Uh, it was a good good talk. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, last comment for me, this goes for parents, this goes for teachers. Uh, it, what we keep coming back to is be involved. Watch your kids play games, or even better, play with them, but at least watch your kids play games. I guarantee you will learn more about who they are, their character, uh, the type of person they're going to grow up to be by watching your kids play game. And, you know, let's come back to the the, the topic of, of violent games. If you are watching your kid play violent games and they're cackling, you know, killing a defenseless bystander over and over and over again in the game, maybe that is a warning sign. Yeah. Maybe this kid is developing an unhealthy relationship with this type of game. Maybe there's some deeper issues. Um, but for you know 99% of kids playing games with your kids watching your kids play games is going to be a positive experience uh you'll you'll be able to uh be closer to them and help them yeah <clears throat> I, I i concur i you know i i think um again I'll, I'll come back to the point about building relationships and and investing in um in in your children if you're a parent um and in your students if you're a teacher um and i think you know 
regardless of this conversation of games, you can tell when those healthy relationships exist and where they don't exist. Um, I, I, I'm going to also piggyback off of Joel and say, please, please, please actually spend time watching your kids playing games and ask them about what they're doing and why they're doing it and be amazed um, at the depth of knowledge that they have about the game worlds that they're exploring and participating in. Um, and if that doesn't tell you something about learning and, and how the brain works and, and the benefits or the potential benefits of it, I don't know what will. Um, we, we really need to pay attention to this, and, and I'm going to spin it in a positive way. We need kids to play these games, and we need to, um, to really you know, jump into that um, head first and because there's a lot of positive things that are happening in that space. Well, thank you, Jerry. Joel, Lucas, and thank you for listening to this Ed Gamer special. Please follow us on edreach.us and also follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach Network. Take care. Thank you. Thanks. You're watching the EdReach Network.